Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of It's Crime Time. In this episode, I'll be discussing a serial killer that, despite being known as the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history, many people don't recognize, Samuel Little, who makes claims that he has strangled 93 women across the country. All right, everyone, it's crime time. This episode of It's Crime Time is brought to you by Anchor. If you like this podcast and would like to create your own, let me tell you about Anchor by Spotify. Anchor is completely free and has all the creation tools you'll need to record, edit, and distribute your podcast. You can record and edit directly from your computer or phone using the app and let Anchor automatically distribute to the most popular platforms without having any fancy setup. Did I mention they even have video podcasting on Spotify now? And you can earn money through ads and pod subscriptions. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor.fm to get started and share your creation with the world. Samuel Little was actually born Samuel McDowell on June 7, 1940 in Reynolds, Georgia. He was raised by his grandmother in Lorain, Ohio, due to his mother abandoning him. He claimed she was a teenage sex worker that gave birth to him and just abandoned him. However, detectives think she actually gave birth to Samuel in prison, and he was given to his grandmother to be raised. Not a whole lot is really known about him as far as his childhood goes, except for the fact that he grew up very poor and often got into trouble in school later dropping out at high school. He served time in a juvenile detention center for breaking into a place in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm not exactly sure when this happened, but it would have had to have happened in the 1950s. He moved to Florida with his mother when he was in his late 20s. Samuel claimed he worked as a cemetery caretaker and ambulance assistant and took up boxing during his various prison stints, claiming he was a prize fighter at one point. He was arrested for crimes in 11 different states, which included driving under the influence, shoplifting, fraud, solicitation, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and even rape. In 1961, he received three years in prison for breaking into a furniture store. By 1975, he had been arrested around 26 times. He was arrested in Pascagoula, Mississippi in 1982 for murdering 22-year-old Melinda Rose LaPree. She had gone missing in September of 1982, and a grand jury declined to indict him. But he was then transferred to Florida to be brought to trial for another murder, that of 26-year-old Patricia Ann Mount. Her body was found in September of 1982. He was acquitted of this murder in 1984 due to mistrust of witness testimonies. So, in total, Samuel spent about 10 years in prison for these previous crimes. He eventually moved to California, where the majority of his crime spree happened. The majority of his crimes went unnoticed for such a long time due to his choice of victims. 
He chose often women of color, and they were mostly involved in sex work and drugs. These women were typically in a bad position where their addictions had gotten out of hand, and they didn't really realize how bad they had become. And Samuel often preyed upon this, hoping their deaths were seen as drug overdoses, accidents, or natural causes. Samuel would beat his victims, knock them out, strangle them, and then drop their bodies wherever he could. Alleyways, dumpsters, garages, even cornfields. Um, later on, you'll hear about him dropping a body off of a cliff. It was said the police had him on the radar for quite some time, but could not pin the murders on him, as there were no stab wounds or gunshots, and therefore their deaths were often just attributed to accidents or drug overdoses like he had hoped. I'm gonna do this episode in a slightly different way where I'll explain him being caught and then I'm going to proceed to talk about some of his victims or possible victims, I should say. In 2012, police found Samuel staying at a homeless shelter in Kentucky as there was a narcotics-related warrant out for his arrest. He was then extradited to Los Angeles and when his DNA was taken, it matched to a three unsolved murders committed from 1987 to 1989. The victims' names were Carol Eileen Alford, Guadalupe Duarte Apodaca, sorry about the pronunciation, and Audrey Nelson Everett. He pled not guilty to these murders despite witness testimonies from other females who had actually escaped Samuel. He was convicted of these murders in 2014 and received three life sentences. The Los Angeles Police Department decided to share his DNA with the FBI. His DNA was then matched to another murder committed in Texas. His victim was Denise Christie Brothers, whom he murdered in Odessa. She was found dead in an empty parking lot and her cause of death was strangulation. He was indicted in this charge on July 16, 2018 and sent to Texas to face these charges to which he pled guilty to. He had now received a fourth life sentence. The FBI's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, known as VICAP, began using his DNA to look into other cases of murders to see if they could link him to any of those. In December of 2018, he was linked to another murder, the murder of Linda Sue Boards, who was 23 years old. She was found deceased in a field on May 15, 1981. She was last seen alive on her way to a nightclub in Bowling Green, Kentucky, four days before she was found murdered. He was then indicted on this crime as well. He was also connected to the murder of Martha Cunningham in Knoxville, Tennessee. The Texas Ranger, James Holland, who was able to gain a confession from Samuel on the murder of Denise Brothers, sat down with him and noticed he had a knack for drawing. So he asked Samuel to draw portraits of his victims. In 700 hours worth of interviews with Samuel, and from the photos he drew, it was gathered that he was actually confessing to committing 93 murders. He remembers shocking details about the victims' appearances, even what car he was driving at the time of the murder, clothing they were wearing, and exactly where the murders occurred and where he dumped the bodies. He does struggle with some of the details, such as the exact clothing of the victims. However, this is still a shocking recollection of information about victims, especially 93 of them. I'm not going to discuss every detail of his victim recounts because that would be way too many, but I will include a few here. His confessions had been verified, and it is said that he was most likely telling the truth about each of his confessions. 
He's been linked to 50 murders so far and another 40 are pending. He's been charged currently for only eight of these murders. He was named the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history by the FBI in 2019. His victim count far exceeded any victim count of the even the most famous killers like Ted Bundy and Dahmer, Gacy, any of the other ones that are well known. In 1971 or 72, Samuel met an attractive 18 to 19 year old transgender African American woman in Miami, Florida. Her name was Marianne, he says. He even recalled the approximate height and weight of the victim. He met her at a bar on 17th Avenue known as the Pool or Pool Palace. He drove her north on Highway 27 and killed her on a driveway near a sugarcane field. He dragged her body approximately 200 yards into thick, muddy water of a river or a swamp. He says he doesn't believe her body has ever been found. Sometime between 1992 and 94, he was released from prison for shoplifting with a woman repeatedly. She would sell the merchandise that he would shoplift from the stores. He was actually arrested for shoplifting and when released from prison, which happened about three hours after he was arrested because he needed to move his vehicle from a store parking lot, he found this lady that had been doing the shoplifting with him sleeping inside of his vehicle in the parking lot. He drove her back to her residence and the following day he drove her to Benton or Bentonville, Arkansas. When they were outside of Little Rock, he drove her down a dirt road, strangled her, and threw her body in a cornfield. He believed that the victim's name was Ruth. In 1993, he picked up a woman in Las Vegas, where he took her to a hotel room and strangled her to death. This lady was approximately 40 years old and had even pointed out her son to Samuel, who was aged 19 to 23. Here's the weird part to me. I'm guessing that her son probably would have seen Samuel, the man who had picked his mother up, so I'm not exactly sure what happened there as far as, you know, his mother going missing and then him not reporting what the man looked like that had, you know, taken his mom. He placed her body in the trunk of his car and drove her to the outskirts of Vegas where he pulled off a remote road and rolled her body down a steep slope. He threw her clothes out of the car just a little way further down the road. He says it's pretty likely that her body was never found. These are just three of his unmatched confessions. There are drawings of these women attached to the confessions as well as the interviews. If you would like to check out more of the drawings and interviews, you can find them on FBI.gov. I'm going to play some audio from Samuel himself for these three confessions. She's what you not to call a transgender. She's a black male dressed up as a female. Okay. How tall is, is she? Marianne's about five, seven, seven, five, six. She weighed about one thirty, five. Okay. One, maybe one forty. And how old do you think she was? She was 19. Okay. And where was she from? No, I'm Miami, down in Liberty City. Okay. And did she, um, you mentioned before she had a boyfriend or she talked about a boyfriend? Wes. Wes. 
And tell me about where you met her at. I've seen her down at the Guards on 17th Avenue, and she had on a short cream miniskirt, <coughs> cream and red. So then this opportunity popped up mm -hmm. to take her to the store. Right. Instead of me bringing her back to the motherfucker, I went to our 27th that's going down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, mm -hmm. called it the Alligator Alley. It, it turns into, it runs into Alligator Alley. Right. But the further out you get, the further you get out of Miami, right. you, you got vegetation. Yeah. How far outside of Miami did you work? Oh, it wasn't too far out of Miami, but right there. I was in my stepdad's car, Pontiac Levans. And where did you take her to? Continue down to myself. Mm -hmm. Got back on to it. Going outside of my, my Going away from my Going away from my We got down past the, uh, past the, let's say, limits. So I continued on toward Fort Lauderdale. And I seen a road going off the main road back into the vegetation mm -hmm. on the left side. So I got out of the car, pulled out. And drug her into the growth back there and pulled her deeper into the a path, a little path of running somewhere, I don't know where it led it to, but it running deeper into the undergrowth. It, it's like uh, Everglades like that. And we ran into uh, uh, some water running. And, but before we got to the water, the earth was mushy. I told her she fell into it face down. And how far outside of Miami do you think you were? About a mile, two miles. Uh, what year did Marianne occur? Uh, 72. Okay, 1972. North Little Rock. Tell me what that girl looked like. Oh, man, I loved her. I forget her name. Oh, wait. I think it was Ruth. Okay. She was a heavy set, big old yellow girl. They had buck teeth. <laughs> it had a gap between the teeth that we were. And she, she was like a honey color skin. And she had, uh, like, her hair was not really long. How tall do you think she was? She was about five, seven. How much do you think she weighed? She weighed about close to 200, about 170. Pretty, pretty big girl. Yeah. Now, where did you meet her at? Okay, he got in a crack house. I was, they heard about six other girls were sitting on the porch. There some crack in there. I stopped to go in there. I seen the girls, that's why I stopped. We stayed together two days, or more, I think about three days. We was going shoplifting. We went to Sears. We went to uh, Coors. That's where I got busted. Mm -hmm. They took me to jail, and she went and stayed in the car. And the manager of Kroger's, I guess he got tired of her and his property in that car. He called the whole station where I was at in North South uh, to drop the charges. So he'd come down and get this gal in the car. They cut me loose. So we were headed toward with that place where Walmart's uh, 
back into the little woods. If the cornfield back there, I pulled through it. And on the other side of the cornfield was a trash pile. I parked the car facing out where I could see anybody coming in. So I, I pulled her out of the car. She's too big for me to carry her, carry her. So I just pulled her out of the car and laid on that trash that was lit there. So was it like a cornstalk pile or was it? Yeah, a bunch of cornstalks. What could you see from there? Uh, I could see the highway. And uh, in the woods, that way. But it's right outside of Little Rock. I, I was about 10 miles from it. From North Little Rock, you think 10 miles? Yeah, it was about 10 miles. Okay. Las Vegas. Describe the Las Vegas victim. That was in 93. Okay. I bought a uh, Eldorado. What color Eldorado? It was a yellow. Okay. Oh, yellow Cadillac Eldorado. Yep. All right, what year? Okay. Well, tell me about this girl. What does she look like? She was kind of thin, dark skin, about 40 years old. She's out there hustling. I think she was a drug addict because she would have been out there. How tall was she? She was about five, 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 three. And how much did she weigh? She weighed about 110, 120. Okay. What about her? Did you know? The boy came, she never was on. She called him over there. And he came over, hey, I knew he shook my hand and everything. Yeah. Now, how old was he? He was about 20 or about 19, 20. Okay, black male? Or? Black male. And where were you at when you met her? It was on Owens Avenue. Okay. Owens, that's down in the black section. Owens and Jackson. Where did you eventually take her her body to? I was, I was headed toward California. Mm -hmm. So as I drove out of Los Vegas, I seen a motel and the road leading up to the motel. And I did a lot of bushes and brushes us beside the road before he got to that motel. That's where I dropped, pulled up her body out, rolled it down there. And I heard a secondary roll of noise. That meant she was still rolling. So you basically rolled her into a pretty big ditch that's got a bunch of... Well, it wasn't a ditch, it was a slope. Okay. That didn't look like a slope because the vegetation had grown up out of the slope and looked like you know, was, you, you would think that the road would just be flat. But actually, the road was going down the slope way. And that's why she rolled. So this is a slope right off the road? Yeah. Okay. And tell me about how far do you think you were outside of Las Vegas? The road I was on was going towards Searchlight. Mm -hmm. So whatever the name of that road is, that's the road I was on. How far outside of Las Vegas do you think you were? Were you in Las Vegas? About, I was still in Las Vegas, yeah. Okay. But I was on the very outskirts. All right. The very Oscars. There was a couple of motels I remember, gas station there. It was scattered to that, 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 because it was getting thin population as you go further out. Currently, Samuel Little remains incarcerated in Lancaster, California, where he is serving consecutive life sentences. He is 79 years old, remains in a wheelchair with failing health, including heart problems, and the FBI is still seeking justice for as many victims and their families as possible. 
And with Samuel's failing health, it may become difficult for him to recall more of the details, and if he passes, some cases may never be solved. He treats his crimes very lightly, being known for stating, God put me on earth to do what I did. He made me. I don't think there was another person that did what I like to do. I think I'm the only one in the world. That's not an honor. That's a curse. All right, everyone. That concludes this episode of It's Crime Time. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe on whatever platform you get your pods and leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, check me out on social media at It's Crime Time Pod.